Yo, wonderful Wednesday. So great to see everyone. Welcome again. Episode number nine, the Cold Calling Podcast. Once again, can you hear me now? I'm your host, Larry Long Jr., CEO, that's Chief Energy Officer of LLJR Enterprises. Now, you might, you might be asking, why is he yelling? Is he always yelling? I am when I'm excited. I am super excited for today's guest, brought to you by our great friends and sponsor, Monster Connect. Rawr! Quick reminder, Monster Connect, they leverage technology, they leverage human resource to help you, yes, you sales professionals, to deliver you with live conversations. Who doesn't want to connect with 8 to 12, anywhere up to 20 decision makers per hour? I'm tired of getting these voicemails. Check out Monster Connect if you're looking to take your game to the next level. Now, if you're looking to take your game to the next level, you came to the right place. This podcast is designed for sales professionals. Are you a sales professional? Sales leaders, does that meet your criteria? Yes, you. If you're looking to succeed in sales, you came to the right place. And I am absolutely honored. I'm going to scream it out loud for today's guest joining us from across the pond in Netherlands. It's with great joy I get to welcome my friend. She's a sales aficionado, a trainer, a coach, an expert. She's a hockey fan, Seattle Kraken, right? Oh, no. She's like, no. She's back in the green room. She's like, you better not, boy. I know that she's a super fan of the Colorado Avalanche. I hope I got that right, or else I'm going to feel the wrath of our guests. Let's give a warm, the Cold Calling Podcast welcome to my great friend, Ashley Early. You ain't the only one with props. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) Who got the props? I love it. Oh, my goodness. I came prepared. I'm ready. You most definitely did. You are knocking it out of the park. Why am I not surprised? Ashley, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We go go back. We go back a bit. (laughs) A bit. Way back. So I'd like to to start off with what I call the who, what, and why. Who are you? Introduce yourself. What do you do? And why do you do it? I love that. All right. So my name is Ashley Early. As you mentioned, I'm a sales coach and sales coach, consultant, trainer, advisor, all things that. Um, And specifically, what I'm really passionate about is helping founders and sales leaders make the transition from founder-led sales to sustainable sales systems. And I'm passionate about that because that's where I see so many amazing technologies get stuck, run out of funding, hire the wrong person, not enable them properly, and then they blame the technology and say, oh, well, our product didn't have product market fit. And there's, we need better technology. We need better products on the market and we need a better way to get those to market. So that's the problem I'm trying to solve right now. Ooh, I like that. Now, why, why do you do that? Where, where does that come from? It, it comes from bluntly over a decade working in technology companies that didn't know how to do this, but that stumbled into the right way to do it rather than consciously knowing that's what they were doing. And I say this as someone who's gone through two IPOs. So clearly I was at companies that were doing something right, but I can tell you both of them at several key points got lucky, not smart. Wow. So no shade on any of it, but that's how it happens. And there's so much that can be set up for success early just by doing a little bit of founder education understanding what's necessary for those first sales hires to be successful and really focusing on that first, you know, the first 100,000 ARR, right? Or if you got that 100,000 ARR because you have a great network, fantastic, great. How do we get that up to three? How do we get that up to five? But that first jump from selling to your network to selling to strangers is something that is remarkably hard to do. And I see people messing up all the time. And I, I, you know, I'm also an elder millennial. 
I'm jaded. I'm reasonably convinced the world is screwed. And the only way we're going to survive is by some massive breakthrough that's going to come from who knows where. But everyone's a little piece of the puzzle. So I can't fix global warming, but I can make sure that good stuff gets into the hands of good people. Oh, I love that. And Ashley helping out these founders early, helping them to knock out any of the issues that they face. I absolutely love it, love it, love it. Now, this next segment, I like to call Spill the Tea. Uh -huh. Now, I've known you from when you lived here in Rollywood. We got wow. to meet one time. Thank you again so much for your help with the sales allies. But I got a question for you, Ashley. I'm I'm looking at your background. I see dual degrees in poli sci, uh, music, uh, voice, opera, fa la 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 la, chorus, Miss Santa Clara. How in the world? I just I I don't see how in the world do you end up in sales? What you don't see behind all that is my dad. And my dad's been in sales my entire life. So I'm I'm a tech brat. We moved a ton as a kid because my dad had to keep taking different sales jobs. So basically it came down to, I went to college and my dad's like, study whatever brings you joy because your degree is a checkbox. Yep. Once you get your first job, nobody cares what your degree's in. So I studied what I really enjoyed. Academically, I'm a, I'm a complete politics junkie, which also means I'm a masochist, but I'm definitely a politics junkie. And at the same time, I, I, I'm an opera singer. I loved singing. I had no desire ever to make it a career because I don't like, I hate auditioning and not just, I hate auditioning, but like I had a couple experiences as a teenager where I always joke with uh, sales leaders. You want to hire people who can handle rejection, hire singers, especially female singers, because I literally lost roles because my hair was the wrong color because I was a little bit too tall. I was a little bit too short. Things that are so completely out of my control. And it's no shade on the director either. They had to, you know, it's only so many guys who can sing and dance. So you have to be the right height to get the proportions right for the whatever and all these sorts of things. So I learned very early, I could be undisputedly the best in the room and get stuck in the chorus. And so that taught me, like, I'm not interested in a career in this. I love doing it. It's fun. I'm not. Mm -mm. I'm good. I'm happy in the shower. I'm fine. Now, so now that's my opera in this. But then basically, I graduated at the height, again, elder millennial, height of the recession, 2008, 2009. And I could not find a job to save my life in anything. Um, and so calling my dad, asking for money again. And he bluntly, it was like, literally, he's like, he sat me down remotely and was like, Ashley, it's time. You need to go into sales. Like, but I don't want to travel. I don't want to do this, all the stuff that you did. And he was like, I know. You're not going to go do door to door and all the stuff that I did. And I dragged you around as a kid. Go be an SDR. And then he very smartly connected me up with two of my childhood friends' parents who were in tech sales. So one was at Oracle and one was at another, um, actually a technology reseller, a VAR. And I talked with both of them about what it takes, what, what sales is really like in a modern perspective. And because it wasn't from my dad, I listened to them. And then I went and got my first job. And that's the kind of the rest is history. And my first job interview, the first real good interview I did, it felt like an audition, except I was the best and I got it. And that was really exciting. I was like, oh, hey, it's actually kind of merit-based here, mostly. It's mostly merit-based here. It's really nice. And they appreciated the opera because I was like, they're like, oh, can you handle this? I'm like, uh, are you kidding me? I've been tripped on stage. I've been, I, I, you ain't going to shake me on the phones. Nothing you can do is going to shake me. And if it does, trust I know how to cover. You will not know that it shook me. And the poli sci means I'm really good at analyzing relationships, behavioral dynamics, understanding how to get things done, navigating around decision makers. So I was able to go in and tell that story about how these two completely random degrees actually are like perfect for this. And that's what I learned. If you can sell yourself, you can sell just about anything. Oh my goodness. I love that. And I'm just putting two and two together. Our good friend, Lindsay Boggs has an mm -hmm. opera background as well. I, There's a bunch I would, of us. I would um, love Brian to have y'all in a room. Who else? 
Uh, Brian Elser also has an opera degree. Wow. Um, he's brilliant. Um, I, everybody loves, I think he's a Barry. I think he's a baritone. He's great. And there's um, a few others I'm blanking on. There's a lot of actors and stuff like that too. So there's a lot of us arts professionals. Oh man, we got to get you with Ding the Rap and Opera. We got it all. Goodness, and I'll just be on the sideline, just clapping my hands. Oh no, no. See, I like I'm laughing because I. Fun story. Like summer of 2020, we're all losing our minds. Yep. My version of losing my mind was I rewrote one of the songs from Hamilton. Whoa. As sorry, there, there's a if you've seen Hamilton, there's a song called "You'll Be Back" that. The king comes in and sings about the colonies. Like, oh, you'll be back. I rewrote it as a salesperson who'd been ghosted. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, the old only one person heard it. I show, I showed it to Morgan Ingram. I showed it to no one else <laughs> because that was my little way of processing and making sense of the world right then. But like, I'm now seeing like a whole like Hamilton cover as salespeople thing. But like with you as George Washington. And I'm just like, oh, that'd be so good. And you, and then you don't have to sing because he doesn't sing that much. Uh, I, th I think I might have that covered. I, I'm ready. <laughs> People are like, is that George Jefferson or George Washington? Both. Oh, my now, goodness. Now, Ashley, this is Spill the Tea Part 2. Oh, good. I think I saw, I, I dug into the archives, the Bronco bus coordinator at Santa Clara. Yeah. Do oh. so. That's, oh my goodness. Well, Anthony Perry in the chat can tell us all about the Bronco bus because he's also one of my SU friends. Bronco bus was my first experience doing event coordination, basically. But um, the Bronco bus was a service that Santa Clara offered to its students where basically you could go do day trips. So that we would rent a bus and pick a place and load it up with kids take it to wherever we were going, drop you off. You can go do whatever you want and you have to be back on the bus and take you home. So we did, we're based in just now north of San Jose. So that's why when you went to San Jose last week, I was like, well, we'll drive in, you're missing out. But like we went to Santa Cruz, did a trip up to Napa, did a ski trip. Um, we did something else. I'm forgetting what, but it's like once a quarter sort of thing. And it was my first time doing, I had to do some publicity. Like I had to do like graphic design for these terrible posters. I had to coordinate with the bus. I had to pick the location we were going to go to. I had to sell the tickets. Wow. All for, I think the grand lovely price of, I think I made 12 bucks an hour. And I only got to work like 30 hours a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, look, I do marketing. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm, cu I'm curious, what was your first experience in cold calling? <laughs> at Santa Clara. Come on I, now, are you serious? Mm -hmm. I worked at the student call center. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was calling alumni and going, hey, alumni, you've been out of school for 10 years. That means you should be making some coin. You want to maybe donate some to the university? <laughs> um, I rage quit after five days. I hated it. I was, oh God, I hated it. There was, it was scripted. And what drove me over the edge was the last night or actually, actually, I guess it was technically six six days. But the fifth day, there was an error in the phone system. So we couldn't pick who we were calling. We just had to sit. When someone picks up, you read the script, go through the thing, try and get the donation and move on to the next one. There was an error in the phone system. We kept calling the same like 30 people again and again and again and again. And I got someone and I tried to fix it. So I was like, hey, can you just hang on the line for a second? Let me see if I can figure out what's going on in the system. I'm so sorry, but da, da, da. it didn't work. She kept getting calls, but because I had stayed on the phone with her, she had my name. So she called and complained that I had been calling her all night and I was being disrespectful and da, da, da. So I got an official write-up and when they slid it across the table for me to sign, I said, no, I quit. And I just walked out. You, you, you chucked up the deuces on them? I did. I full was like, nope, bye. I just noped out. The only time in my life I've ever done that. Oh, goodness. Now you I got home and my, my then boyfriend, now husband, was like, wait, aren't you working? I'm like, no, I quit. He's like, what? You never do that. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm done. I hate it. I'm never doing that again. Well, well you made it. Two a years later. <laughs> <laughs> back again. Guess who's back? 
but it was different. This is the thing. That's why I talk about the difference between kind of call center cold calling and what we do, which is cold calling, but it's not because we're adding value. That's right. Right. I'm calling. And if you listen to me, you'll either get something valuable out of it or you'll make sure that we don't call you again, no matter what you win. 10 seconds. Oh, I love it. And I love how you talked about the importance of the technology working <laughs> and, and our friends at Monster Connect being the multi-dialer. Yeah. Absolutely love. They, they allow us to get conversations with the right people, hopefully at the right time. But I'm I am curious. I'm going to dig in a little bit. You talked about scripts. What are your thoughts when it comes to cold calling scripts? Mm, OK. I scripts have a place, but scripts are made to be broken. So what I mean by that is I'm actually a huge fan of here. I'll do diagrams here. Um, I'm a huge fan of like this. It's a flow chart. So based on what people say, you give a couple key words, a key phrase, stuff like that. And then people can work those phrases into the way you naturally speak, the way you naturally would present yourself. So you're still bringing fully Larry, fully Ashley, but also still fully on brand to the company. Um, and it's not the, the brand that really matters, but also giving accurate information. So that's how I think about scripting now. It's about putting guardrails and building out the kind of conversation flows. So you're thinking about what the prospect is saying, not about what you're going to say next. And then when they're done, all you have to do is look down and go, okay, they did this, 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 this. So I say this, got it. Boom. Next. I like, I like that distinction right there. Now, um, speaking of scripts, I'm going to go into playbooks because uh, I know that you are a master at developing playbooks. Yes, that, that's your jam. And I, I just have the utmost respect for what you do, how you do it. The viewers out there, and to all the viewers, please submit any questions that you have, any of our viewers, our listeners. But we want to know, what are you doing playing, uh, making playbooks? Looks like your newest endeavor, you're co-founding, co-hosting across the pond and over the rainbow sales and marketing show with our good friend, Evan Patterson. I mean, ultimately, I just want to know, Ashley, what is on and popping? What you got going on? Oh, what's not popping? Okay, so we've got so three big things I think that your audience would be particularly interested in. One, have to shamelessly plug across the pond and over the rainbow. Um, that so it's every Wednesday live show on LinkedIn, just like this, except far more chaotic. Um, <laughs> far more chaotic. I got work to do. <laughs> If you do not know who Evan Patterson is, you have you are in for a treat. So across the pond and over the rainbow is inspired by the fact that I'm across the pond and Evan Patterson is over the rainbow in every possible way. Way period. That's just it. Um, love it. I love Evan. He jokes repeatedly that he has white privilege until he opens his mouth and people realize how gay he is. So he, this is the chaos you're in for. So across the pond over the rainbow is designed to be. A show where we give some actionable sales tips, but a lot of what we're doing is just processing the insane reality of being in revenue, sales, marketing, renewals, ops, all of it. And how does it all work together? And how do we make sense of the constant chaos without just laughing at it um, and stuff like that? So there's constant ribbing going on because Evan constantly brings up the fact that I hate ranch dressing. I make fun of him for not knowing how to read analog clocks. Well, at the same time, we're talking about how we're using AI to develop content and write sales emails and how we're working with, um, you know, sales, how working with revenue leaders and CEOs to build healthier sales cultures, which drive performance, all that sort of stuff. So that's across the pond. Yeah. Um, I recently launched with my with my co-author and good friend, Tom Slocum, the B2B sales playbook, which is a basically it's a sales playbook in a box. But I want to be very clear with that. Some assembly is required. Okay. So this is the sort of thing where if you are looking at hiring your first sales rep, if you've got a sales rep or two or three, but your resources are all over the place, this is a tool you can bring in, invest a couple days 
to personalize it, make it your own using the instructions that we're going to give you and taking advantage of office hours, which we're not going to throw this to and leave you on your own. You end up with a hundred plus page playbook that covers the full sales cycle from identifying who you're going to go after personas and ICPs all the way through negotiation, discovery, closing all of it. Wow. So this is not some quickie $20 buy. This is, it's, it's, it's a big expensive purchase, but it's still a heck of a lot cheaper than having a consultant come in and do it for you completely bespoke. So it's a great bridge in that gap to make sure your sellers are properly armed and you can then iterate and build on it as you go. So for more information, we'll drop a link in the chat on how to access that. And if you've got any questions, feel free to reach out. And we are looking for specific companies. If you're all interested to do case studies in return for access at an extreme discount. So if you're interested, hit me up. Oh, I love it. And then there, number three, what was number three? What the hell is number three? Oh, geez, I literally just posted about this five minutes ago and I forgot. Um, literally today, I actually announced um, as a part of my own consulting work, I'm giving myself a challenge. I want to talk to 100 founders in 100 days. So I'm trying to connect with 100 founders who are making this jump from founder-led sales to strategic, sustainable sales systems. So if you've made that jump recently, if you're thinking about making that jump, if you made that jump a year or two ago, I want to talk to you and just pick your brain. I'm not selling anything. I promise. It's literally just want to learn from your experience so I can better help other founders down the road make that transition. Wow. A hundred founders in a hundred days. That yep, that by the end of the year, I've got I think 102 days before the end of the year. So it's gotta happen. I know you're gonna make that happen. I know you're up for the challenge. I absolutely love it. I'm just trying to find the uh the link to the B2B sales playbook. We're going to, I got it. We're going to make sure that we give that to our listeners. Remember listeners, any questions that you have, any thoughts, any feedback, please let us know. Anthony Perry, there's a new ranch dress, dressing crunch topping developed by a Chicago based iron chef. You're, you're barking up the wrong tree, Anthony. Yeah. She doesn't like ranch. He knows he's just, he's just egging me on. (laughs) Anthony, I appreciate it. He, he heard me earlier that I saved myself. I was just joking with the crack. And I, oh, he knows. I knew you were an Avalanche fan. I know you know. I knew you were ribbing me. I can take it. That That's the definition of a hockey fan. That's the difference between a hockey fan and a football fan. Hockey fans know how to take a joke. <laughs> now, now, Ashley, I need to hear because you and I, during the pandemic, we were able to sync up yeah. here in Rollywood, Raleigh, North Kagalaki, but... Mm-hmm. You're in Netherlands. What in the world? What, what, what kind of journey? What kind of adventure? What, what kind of misadventure? I made plenty of, of U-turns and wrong yeah. turns, but what in the world happened? I know. What, what, how did I get? Yeah. Um, there's still multiple days I'll walk outside and be like, I live on a canal. What just happened? <laughs> um, it still feels a little bit like a dream. I absolutely love it. But basically it comes down to my husband and I, one of the things we bonded over very early in our relationship was a desire to live in Europe. And during the pandemic, during a lot of soul searching and a lot of different things happened, an opportunity presented itself to move over here basically as an entrepreneur. So we took it, we sold everything and we said bye. And we came over here and we love it. Ik leen Nederlands and spreek met mijn vrienden. I'm trying to learn to speak Dutch because I have to learn to speak Dutch if I'm going to stay. Um, but there's a lot of good stuff about being over here and just having the experience of living in another culture and seeing how the Dutch do business and how the Dutch interact with life um, has been the best thing I've ever done for my mental health, bluntly. So we're very, wow. very happy here. Wow, that that is unbelievable. So we've got scrolling the B2B sales playbook. Uh, That's a a, a little bit of a link, but we've also got right there tomslocum.gumroad.com slash L slash playbook, I think it is. I believe so. I think I was in charge of copy and Tom was in charge of the website. (laughs) I promise our playbook is a lot better than our promotion. Oh, we are salespeople. It, it, I know it's it, not marketers. It all off the chain. Now I'm curious. You're over there in the Netherlands. You're over there in the European market. What are some of the differences that you've noticed with 
uh, sales professionals, sales leaders, organizations? What's kind of like that vibe over there? What's different from here? Are we missing anything? Are they missing anything? I, I want your unfiltered thoughts. Yeah, it's corporate America and corporate Europe are different um, for a lot of for a lot of reasons. Um, the biggest thing though is just around the number of regulations for how workers must be treated. So uh, uh, pretty much every horror story I've got from working in corporate America, when I tell it to Europeans, they're like, but that's illegal. I'm like, not in the States. Um, the, the biggest thing, just for example, being once you hire someone, you have a legal obligation to prove that they either cannot do the job and that you cannot train them to do the job before you can let them go. Oh, wow. So it's very difficult to fire people in Europe. So people typically end up quitting before companies can fire them. So it's very rare to find people who are fired. So even as sales professionals, if you're under quota, it's not your responsibility to get to quota. It's the company's responsibility to get you to quota. Wow. So it's a very different thing, um, which is really interesting. What that means is companies grow more strategically. So there's not this, hey, I'm going to go hire 10 salespeople. I'm going to hire three. And then based on how they do, I'll hire three more. So it's more slow and steady than kind of, move fast and break things, which there's a lot of pros to it. There's some cons, but on the whole, people are happier. People are just as productive, if not more productive. Um, oh my gosh, they take their PTO seriously here. Like my first, I think of one of my favorite stories, my first summer here, I took time off because I had to move because I moved in December, January. And right in the middle of COVID, it's middle of winter, I had to take some time off. So I had to work through the summer to kind of make up for the time I took it off over the winter. And one of my French clients, we started off a call. Every call starts out with niceties. Every call starts out with, how are you? And they actually care, which wow. is weird. I'm still getting used to it, but I'm talking with this French company and they're all talking about where they're going on their vacations. Cause it's like June and like, Ashley, where are you going to go? And I'm like, Oh, I'm actually not taking any time off the summer. Cause I took a bunch of time off in January. All of them were scandalized. They like, like full, like, ah, but actually you must take time off. It is important. You must take care of yourself. You must take vacation. Like part of my French accent to the French people, but they were like all five of the people on this call, like stopped and started lecturing me that I had to take time off during the summer to take care of myself. And I was like, but I'm self-employed. If I'm taking time off, I'm not earning. And they're like, so that's it. then you must save up and make it a priority. You will earn more when you come back. It's like, okay, I will look into this. And sure enough, the next year I planned, I saved up. I was able to take my two weeks off. And yeah, I did make more when I got back. And so I did the same thing this year. Um, it, it, they do take it really seriously and it's respected. But I, I think from a sales perspective, the biggest difference is you have to start with niceties. You have to mean it. Yep. And you have to respect the PTO. So if someone is out, like you're not going to get much done in summer in Europe. You're just not. But September's really big. June is typically pretty big. But in the summer, it's it and it's okay. That's fine. So use summer to nurture. Wow. It's fun. You'll figure it out. Wow. Now, now, Ashley, I know that you have the pulse on founders. And uh, we want to support you on your 100 founders in 100 days. I'm curious, when you're working with founders, what kind of advice, what kind of strategies do you give them around cold calling? And specifically, I think you mentioned the first 10 seconds, but that introduction, first 10 to 30 seconds, what, what's kind of your stilo? What's your style? Oh, I love this because everyone's got their own version of it. So really, I say, look, there's three ways you could open the call. And which one is right for you, you're not going to know until you try it. Nope. So every cold caller, whether you're a, whether you're a founder, whether you're a, a CMO sitting in with your SDR team, because I've had CMOs do that with me before, or you're an SDR or an AE, refreshing your skills or getting it for the first time. You either start it with a pitch. Hey, I'm calling you today to talk about X. Yep. You start with getting consent. Hey, it's actually early calling with, you know, across the pond and over the rainbow. Do you have a minute to chat with me? Or you start with a nicety. Hey, it's Ashley Early calling with Across the Pond and Over the Rainbow. How are you doing today? 
It's one of those three. And whichever one you pick, you will still end up with a pitch next, but the pitch needs to be about driving value for the consumer. And one of the things I've been talking with a lot of founders about lately is humility, listening, and talking symptoms, not, not problems. Hey, say that one more time, humility. Humility. So you don't have all the answers. I know you built this great product and you think you're an expert, but they don't know you from Adam. So you have to come in humble and earn their trust before you can start prescribing. Um, you have to talk about being symptom aware, not problem aware. So this is something Casey Jones reminded me of recently, my good friend, Casey. People are aware of symptoms. They're not necessarily aware of the root cause. So for example, the classic kind of example of this is my stomach really hurts. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. My stomach hurts. You go into an ER, you don't go into an ER and say, my appendix is bursting. You say, my stomach feels like it's about to explode. Okay. So is it the appendix? Is it a bowel obstruction? Is it gas? Is it a heart attack? Because that can radiate down. It could be a million things benign to severe, but you know the symptom, you don't know what the problem is. You go to an expert to figure out what the problem is. So when you're cold calling, focus on the symptoms. And with that, always make sure that you are immediately finding a way to add value. So it's not just, here's how I can help you in six months if you buy this, it's, hey, can we talk about this? And you know, we talk about this for 30 seconds, let me share something you might wanna go try. Find some way to add value. Ooh, ooh, I love that. It's I not easy. That. These are not easy things to do. And I've been doing this for almost 20 years now. This is not easy, but it does get easier. Wow. Now, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but sometimes founders are afraid of rejection and failure. You, you talked about being a female singer and dealing with the nose, I'm too tall, I'm too short. Oh, can I just be right? How do you encourage and, and what do you share with those founders that say, you know what? I just don't wanna pick up this 500 pound phone. I, I don't wanna do it. I, I know that you're giving me all the strategies of being humble and focusing on the symptoms and making sure that I add value, but I'm scared. Yeah, it's two things. One, it's why are you scared? So people who are scared of cold calling, scared to pick up the phone, it's typically a few different things. And cold call reluctance, God, I could do an hour on that, period. <laughs> Okay, but with founders specifically, I think it comes down to every, because you haven't done it before, every single step feels monumental and big and scary. Just like any new skill, the first time you do it, God, I'm working with a trainer right now and she is killing me tw two days a week. I can barely walk after these sessions. Holy cow, she is murdering me and I love her for it. But every time she teaches me a new exercise, I'm like, I can't, it's too much, I hear it. And then I do two and I'm like, oh, okay, this isn't, okay, this hurts, but I can do it. And I know it's making me stronger. It's the same thing. So it's okay. You just have to understand it's gonna hurt, you're gonna be okay. The other side of it too is understanding you get those first couple no's and you're like, oh, the world didn't end. So then the other side of that is understanding, I do a lot of work around abundance mindset, right? If it's a no, so if we think, I, I work with a lot of founders who say, picture a hundred people, right? At any given point, 50 of them are not gonna be a fit for some reason or another, at least. They're, they're broke, they have something that's technologically not a fit, they're just so busy they can't even think about it. Okay, on top of those, so you've got 50 left. Of those 50, 30 of those, maybe you can get their attention if you thread the needle perfectly right? And then you've got the 20 that are left that you should be able to get no matter what, if you can just get them live, right? So every time you get a no or a hang up or something, you just knocked off one of the 50s. Those other 50 are still there. You're just going to get to those a little bit faster. And then we do a lot of work also around making sure we're refining our lists to set ourselves up for success as well. So making sure we're really thinking about we're calling the people where we know we've got the best story possible. Because Founders are never going to be great cold callers. They're never going to be great 
salespeople. So we want to lean into, we want to set them up for success, just like they want to set their salespeople up for success down the road by giving them the ones where they can tell their story the best. So I spend a lot of times working with founders who call other founders because then you've got the founder founder connection versus having a founder calling ahead of HR, which can be a whole different, you know, intimidating ball game and you can do it, but we'll, we'll start you on founders, start with your people, get comfortable there. Then we can start leveling you up. So I mean, Larry, you're baseball, right? So you're not going to start someone off who's learning to hit against a major league pitcher. You're going to start them off against the coach who's going to throw underhand and slowly work them up. That's right. Same thing. That's right. Wow. For all the cold callers, all the professionals, the founders out there, please take heed to what Ashley just said. We're finding the list to make sure that you're set up for success having an abundance mindset. And I love that breakdown out of a hundred prospects, 50 just aren't going to be a fit. Once you get through those no's, you're getting closer to those that you have a chance with realizing in advance, it's going to be tough. And Hey, you got to fight through it. It's just like the muscle working with the trainer. Oh, it hurts so good. And I love that question of why are you scared? What makes you scared? I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that, Ashley. I want to know what's the most common mistake that you kind of see out there when it comes to not just founders, but sales professionals, cold callers. And I'll give you what are kind of the top two mistakes that you see that we should be on on the lookout for. Ooh, um, right now, number one thing is stagnant messaging. Ooh, okay. Okay. Um, we saw this during COVID, like when COVID started, people didn't change their messaging quickly enough to reflect the reality of the world. And then by the time they did, it was cheesy, right? So it started with kind of, ah, ha, ha, COVID's not happening. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And then it was, I hope this finds you well. And then it's by that point, it's like, I'm not well, none of us are well, stop it. (laughs) So we're still seeing that the world is now changing so quickly. If you haven't looked at your messaging in the past 60 days, I can guarantee you, you are alienating some prospects. So sales messaging used to be something you reviewed every quarter, every six months, maybe once a year. Now it's something really, you should be doing a quick check-in once a month. Wow. Is a gut check. That's I'd say number one. Number two is not doing enough role plays outside of actual calls. And I mean this again, founders, veteran people, new people, like you should be spending. I, I truly believe if you're trying to work on your skills, you should be devoting at least out of 30 minutes twice a week doing role plays. And that means either participating in role plays or watching other people participate in role plays because you learn just as much from watching others. So if you're in a team, get a group of four people together twice a week, 30 minutes, do two 15 minute role plays with feedback each session. That's it. You will learn so much and level up so quick. Oh, my goodness. You you nailed it right there. I think we're, uh, in the words of Alan Iverson, we're talking about practice. Mm-hmm. We're talking about participating in the role plays, watching the role plays. Great distinction right there. And then I love your point around the, the messaging, stagnant messaging. Now, I, I love cold calls, but I want to know, what, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts around integrating social selling with the traditional smiling and dialing techniques? How, how do we do it all? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> how do we? I, the smiling and dialing thing, honestly, for me, I kind of I hate that phrase for a lot of different reasons. Um, one, because I was given that advice when um, God, when I was in SDR and I was calling New York during Hurricane Sandy. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I was getting frustrated. I'm like, okay, well, what else? Okay, fine. Let me focus on my skills. What can I do? And like, well, you need to smile more when you're on the phone. I'm like, I'm talking to someone whose house is underwater. Wow. No, I'm not gonna. Um, But more to the point, I think it's when it comes to threading everything together. um, I'm a huge fan of, it's it's a good joke, but it's a joke. Um, Every company has research and development, R&D, that is always trying to figure out how to, how to iterate, how to make the best products, how to do the best for their clients. Sales, we have the same thing, but it's not research and development, it's rip off and duplicate. 
So I will go and I will take the best tactics from Larry Long, the best tactics from Tom Slocum, the best tactics from Sam Sells, from all these other places. And I'm going to make them my own little hodgepodge mix. Wow. That's what, how I think about it. So I, as long as I'm constantly pulling from little things here and there, stealing someone's line, highest compliment there is. I fully believe that. If I hear someone else using my line, I'm like, yeah, I did that. There we go. I see. But at the same time, when I use their line, same thing. Again, it's this abundance mindset. There's plenty of room for all of us. And the fact of the matter is, if Larry does the exact same thing I'm doing, listen to the exact same people, he's going to have completely different takeaways woven together in a completely different way. So how do I make it work? I have no freaking clue. (laughs) I love it. Our friend Anthony Perry, AP, he's asking, how would you budget other shadowing and call review on top of the role play? Okay. Other shadowing is tricky because when I'm doing other shadowing, I'm watching the whole process versus a specific skill. So, ooh, hotkey that gets me around the screen faster. Or, oh, I didn't know you could pull a report like that. Yeah. So other shadowing, I would say, and that's something you need, I'd say an hour or two to really do. It's hard to do other shadowing in 30-minute chunks. So I'd say other shadowing once a month, two to three hours. Um, call review, you should be doing when I was managing, whenever I manage teams and I'm doing coaching, everyone I'm managing has to send me at least two calls a week. They have to send me a good call and they have to send me a bad call every week. Wow. So the bad calls are really important thing. Cause it's like, look, send me the ones where you know you screwed up. And if you want to just tell me everything you screwed up on, great. And I don't have to coach you on it. You just coached yourself. Fantastic. If you can't coach yourself, how the heck are you going to coach anybody else? And then at the same time, send me a good call where you really shine. So I can then, be, this also helps me as a manager. So I can send those calls to my boss and I don't have to remember to cheer people on. You're telling me what to cheer you on each week. So it makes it easier for me to do that positive recognition to reinforce the good behavior as well. Oh, that, is a, that should be no more than 15 minutes of your time a week, especially if you've got a, a tool like a gong or a chorus or something. Yes, that's right. Leveraging those tools at our disposal. Eddie Sand, selling is a personal skill and adding our experience will create a unique and personal touch. He's uh, saying plus one to what you shared. Now, Ashley, I'm I'm going to ask you to spill the tea. And I, I know that you used to I, run. I'm the- running out of tea, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to that. I got some sweet tea from Bojangles. <laughs> your, your social consciousness is on a whole different level from what we traditionally see in B2B SaaS sales. I'm curious, and this is just, this is my question right there. Where does that come from and why do you do that? Because I commend you, I I tip my cap, but it's not the norm. And and, and I'm just. Yeah, um, my husband asked me this too. I think I drive, I know, I know I drive him a little bit nuts with it. Um, where it comes from, it, bluntly, it comes from my parents. Um, neither of them were activists or justice warriors, but they just instilled this deep sense in me of kind of the world as it should be. And it's interesting because they did that because they wanted, they wanted me to feel safe. And it's really interesting. I've talked to them about this because that meant I went out into the world and thought the world was this idealized oh yeah, no one cares about this. I mean, I went to a church with a lesbian minister in the 90s, which is like, that was a, yeah, there was a thing in the suburbs of Seattle. (laughs) Um, My mom went out and there was this uh, rather famous uh, unhoused individual in Seattle who would play the spoons for money. He was really good at it. Um, She went and like picked him up and took him to my school for an assembly to talk about the experience of being unhoused and where he learned how to play the spoons and all that. So I was exposed to all this very non-middle white class things, despite the fact I lived in the most white middle-class area in the US, really. Um, And so I thought the whole world worked like that. And then I got into the world and saw, no, it's not. It took, honestly, the world smacking it in my face with, um, there were some sexist things that happened at work that I didn't realize were sexist until someone else told me because it just didn't occur to me. Seeing um, friends having trouble with the police, seeing all sorts of things happen in politics 
that made me realize, oh, I guess the West Wing was kind of a dream, wasn't it? Shoot. Um, and I can't fix it. But at the same time, I also have this very unique experience in that my grandmother was a World War II survivor. Wow. And I say that very specifically because she's German and she was a little girl during the war and she saw the rise of the Nazis. She saw what they did and she saw the allies come in. She was actually one of the first prisoners or citizens freed on German soil. She lived in a town called Aachen, actually not far from where I live now um, wow. in Germany. And she was, you know, kind of freed by the allies and it's a whole thing. So I grew up hearing all the time about the responsibility to stand up to fascism and extremism and all this other stuff. Um, I'm so watching a lot of stuff in the U S is very disturbing to me as well. But this idea that silence is violence and that first they came for all these other groups that weren't me. And then when they came for me, there was no one left. Um, I'm not a member of the LGBTQIA community, but all my friends are. And if you attack them, you will eventually attack me. Um, I'm a woman who is a primary income from my family. If you start coming for women, you come for my family. I am a woman who has struggled with mental health over the years that has severely impacted me. You come for that community, you come for me. So it's very much this weird form of self-preservation as much as anything else. And very much being the personality that if I see something wrong, I have to say something. I just, I, I can't not. So for better or worse, we'll see, we'll see where it gets me. I'm, I'm going to say for better and I'm going to give you your flowers while I can right now. You, you said you're, you're not going to solve anything. You, you are part of the solution. I'm moving the needle. That, I'll that's move right. the needle. Big time. And I encourage you and I thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything that you've done and everything that you continue to do to give awareness, to give support, to give allyship, it makes a world of difference. And you might not even realize the magnitude of the difference that you're making. I applaud you and I encourage you keep it up. Now, as we start to land the plane, final question. What should the sellers, the, the sales professionals, what should they be thinking about as we look into the future of sales? What, what's on the other side of sales that we should be aware? Is it chat GPT, I am robot, or is it something else that we should really be focused on right now? I think you should absolutely pay, be paying attention to chat GPT and specifically in the sense of learning how to outsource the parts of your job that you hate doing. You hate doing a part of your job? See if ChatGPT can do it for you. Why not? That said, I think the biggest lesson I've learned in all of my time in sales, and I'm still relearning this because every time I step away, I keep coming back to it. If you want to invest in your career, invest in yourself. Wow. Period. And that means taking care of your mental health, taking care of your physical health, taking care of the mental and physical health of those around you who support you both in work and out of work. And this is something I give full credit to Gen Z and Gen Alpha who's coming into the workforce. Y'all got this figured out way faster than Gen X and the millennials and the boomers did. Um, and I'm inspired by how open and honest and how vociferously you talk about these things. So that's the big thing. If you wanna invest in your career, invest in making yourself the best person you can be, that will attract the employers, the clients, the peers that will push you to be everything that you can be. Ooh, I love it. I love it. And I know someone that can help folks with investing in themselves. She's on the other side of this conversation. Please make sure that you check out Ashley Early. Check her out on LinkedIn. Connect with her. Message her. Let her know. As Eddie Sands said, Ashley is part of the solution. Absolutely love it so much, Ashley. Eddie also said, chat GPT and AI is becoming a useful tool to expand genuine connections and profitable relationships. It's here, hopefully here to, say, to stay, but oh, we shall see. It's here.
So I mean, uh, I'm not, I'm also into sci-fi. So I'm like, I know the future. Like we're going, it's okay. <laughs> Welcome the robot overlords. It'll be fine. Oh, I love it. I love it. Now I said final question, but I lied. What, what's your word as you reflect so far on 2023? What's your one word as you look at this year? See, I would have said a very different word. The word I would have given you two weeks ago no longer applies. So I'm going to, so I'm belief. Ooh, okay. I'm going to go with belief because I'm choosing to believe in myself in a way that I had avoided previously, which is utterly terrifying. As someone who just talked about investing in yourself and doing all these things, I, yeah, we, we all fall victim to the we're all we all fall victim to being very good at telling other people to do things and struggling to do it themselves. Wow, belief that's powerful. And Ashley, my midweek midday motivational minute today focused on overcoming FUD, fear, yeah. uncertainty, and doubt. And uh, I've been having a lot of conversations with folks around those fears, those uncertainties, and those doubts. And the timing was perfect because me, myself, have been challenged with that voice Cletus that's telling me all the things to be What, you named it Cletus? Yeah, come on, Cletus. I got to kick Cletus off my shoulder. Okay, I got to name mine. Now I got to figure out what name it is. I'll let you know. Oh, I love it. Well, Ashley, from the bottom of my heart, I say thank you. For, for all of our listeners and viewers of the Cold Calling Podcast, thank you. From Monster Connect, our sponsor, our gracious host, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing so many nuggets, so many gems. As Eddie Sand said, welcome to Star Trek. As Anthony Perry said, do the overlord. <laughs> overlord. The cake is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I know oh, this reference. This this was so much fun, and I appreciate your encouragement for all of us to believe, have that belief. And uh, it's crazy because in a couple weeks, we've got my good friend, Susie Matheson, who lives in Germany. She's she's from England, but lives in Germany. And I want to remind everyone, please check in. Same bat day, same bat time, next Wednesday, September 27th. 1 o'clock Eastern time, 10 o'clock Pacific time. And as Ashley said, I think 7 p.m. C-E-T. Did I get that right? 7 p.m. C-E-T? Central Ooh. European time. Ooh, I love Ooh. it. Our next guest next Wednesday is Mr. Ed Raw, sales trainer, sales enablement. Uh, he built a technology called Core.ai. You won't want to miss people. that. He's good so people. Let's give it up for Ashley early. Thank you. Thank you, Ashley. Oh, my goodness. We'll see y'all next week.